Hey friends, this is Leah popping in here real quick. It is late Sunday, November 15th, and I just wanted to make a quick note before we go into this episode. We recorded this episode quite a few weeks in advance before there were any really strong pleas not to host in our homes anymore. I know this is a difficult time for so many and that restrictions are being changed constantly in some areas, including the city I live in. Um, It's been really difficult to navigate. We just want to encourage you to use these ideas in the future or even just practice with your own family. Please follow the regulations put out by your area. We hope that you bank some of these ideas for the future, get creative in the present, and just continue to be safe, everybody. We love you and we're praying for you. Also, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of the Loud by 68 podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who want to get their restless behinds out of the pews and into the battlefield for the kingdom of God. We are here to equip and encourage you to put your faith into action in every area of your life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. My name is Leah and I'm joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. To those of you who are brand new to the podcast, I want to say a big warm welcome. And to my old faithfuls, welcome back. If you've been listening in every week, then you will know that we have been diving into the world of advocacy through the lens of human trafficking the last few weeks. There have been fabulous episodes that have been so full of hope and grit and justice. And if you've missed those episodes, I would like to invite you to download those to your queue. They are beautiful, convicting episodes that I don't want you to miss out on. This week, we are taking a fun Christmassy intermission from our advocacy series to discuss hospitality. And my guess is that when you hear this word, you are either rejoicing or you are breaking out in hives. And to be honest, it is one of my favorite things and I'm so full of ideas when it comes to holiday hosting, but I know this isn't the case for everyone. And also, this year is just weird with hosting, so I know that not everyone is going to be on board to invite a ton of people into their home, but my guest today quickly explains that hospitality is not just about having people over, it's actually a lot more than that. My guest is a professional organizer, writer, fitness instructor, and founder of MWM, Morganize With Me. She lives in Northern Colorado and is the author of two books, Take Back Your Time and the 2020 release of Your Hospitality Personality. Please welcome to the show, Morgan Tyree. Morgan and I discuss her new book, Your Hospitality Personality, Christmas hosting, and she gives us so much practical advice on hosting a meaningful, connected, and kingdom-building gathering. And as you listen, I hope you write down some of the practical information, but also start to see which of the hospitality personalities you might resonate the most with. And speaking of Christmas... Christmas is coming and you know what that means. Pure overwhelm. (laughs) You know it. I know it. We want it to be the best time of the year, but it can feel draining. If you're in charge of Christmas details in your household, you know the feeling. It is endless to-do lists, a long list of commitments and parties, trying to appease the entire family, etc, etc, etc. And you spend the whole month of December trying to prepare for one day. It's over in a flash and then you're worn out for the rest of the week. What should be the most wonderful time of the year can often bring out the Grinch in us. 
But friend, let me give you some peace of mind with our brand new intentional Christmas guide. This guide will help you figure out what is actually important to you this Christmas, how to practice Advent in preparation for the coming of Christ and give you some really fun, intentional kingdom building ideas to make the holidays count. Grab the guide through the link in today's show notes. You do not want to miss out on this. I am so excited for it to be in your hands. All right. With all that in mind, let's please go into the show and welcome the lovely Morgan Tyree. Morgan, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Um, I am excited about this topic because it's something near and dear to my heart. But before we get into the interview, I would really love if you could just share a little bit about what your roles are right now and where are you recording from? Okay, well, thanks for having me. So I live in Northern Colorado. And so personally, I am a mom to three teenagers and married to my college sweetheart. So that's sort of my everyday life. Mm -hmm. I'm very much still kind of in hands-on mom role. I mean, my kids are teenagers, but they still have a lot of needs, which is great. And then professionally, I have my own business. I do professional organizing for clients and I'm an author and I also teach fitness classes. So I sort of juggle a couple of different things, but thankfully they're all flexible. So it all works. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to talk about hospitality, but I know that you have a big passion for organization and intention, being really intentional. I'm just wondering where did that come from? Yeah. I love that question because it's something I've actually thought about a lot lately because I'm truly doing what I'm passionate about, which is just a dream come true. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of different reasons that I think I'm into organization and intentionality, but I really wanted to pinpoint, it probably stems from my childhood. So I was raised by entrepreneurs. My um, parents had a custom home building business. So I've Mm -hmm. always kind of been in this home design. Uh, I have a sister who's an interior designer. It's like, I was looking at floor plans as a young child for fun. So, I mean, (laughs) you know, I think it's interesting how you, how you look at your life and things do kind of connect over time. I actually wanted to maybe go to architecture school, didn't get in. So I ended up getting a business degree with an emphasis in entrepreneurship. And so I just always had this desire to own my own business. I've always had this passion for kind of design and systems and organization. And then I also, when I worked in business, I worked with um, people a lot in human resources. And so I have this side of me that's also very relational. And so it's sort of like all those things have come together and we've been in Colorado four years now. So when we came here, it was like the ideal time for me to really launch a business. And so it's just Mm -hmm. sort of, um, kind of been building over time. Oh, awesome. You know, my brother-in-law is a real estate agent. He said that he would look at floor plans all the time too, that that was yeah, <laughs> a little fun. childhood pastime. <laughs> I, I, I mean, no, it's not normal, but it was really fun for me. And it still is. I just love floor plans. So yeah. I like the, the Tetris, you know, how does everything fit? Totally, totally. Okay. I want to talk about a little bit about your book that just came out called Your Hospitality Personality, How to Confidently Create Connection and Community. And just so that we are all on the same page before we really start, how would you describe hospitality? So in the book, I really uh, spelled it out from kind of the dictionary definition. So I want to first tie into that, which it's basically the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers. And so Mm -hmm. I liked looking at that definition because I, th- I think we can tend to think of hospitality a little more in a linear way that it's having someone over for dinner. Right. When really that's definitely 
a piece of hospitality, but I think mm-hmm. hospitality and what I really touch on in the book is should really be a way of life for us. And it should be how we treat, whether it's a cashier, a new neighbor, you know, it's, yeah. it's looking around. And I talk about the different circles, you know, we have tighter circles that are our close people. We have people that are on the outer circle. Are we looking for ways to be hospitable? And that's kindness mm-hmm. and it's how we treat people. And so um, that's really the way I looked at hospitality and, and especially in writing this book. Cause I want people to be encouraged to use hospitality more it, mm-hmm. as just a day-to-day part of your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so what would you say then is the real purpose of hospitality in particular where it intersects with faith and really building God's kingdom? So I think what it does is, it, is it, it's a bridge builder. And I think that we as people, all of us have this universal need to want to be known and cared for. And so hospitality is a way to love and to serve and to show that you know somebody in whether small ways or big ways. And so I think it builds the bridge for relationship, for communication, for conversations. And so I just think there's a, a real benefit in knowing people to then speak into their life. Because if you don't build a relationship, then it can be hard to go into deeper topics or faith topics or mm-hmm. sharing your testimony. And so I think that while it shouldn't be used, you know, as the only reason you're being hospital, but it, you know, it can be a bridge towards a deeper relationship and a deeper opportunity to share why your faith matters or why your faith has impacted your life. And so I think it's sort of like a tool, Mm -hmm. but um, the tool can be used also just to be a loving kind person, which is what God calls us to be. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that some people kind of struggle. Like I, I know for myself that Sometimes I'm like, I don't want people to think that I have an agenda behind having somebody over and even within myself to be like, to kind of check myself like Leah, let's just, let's just invite people in and love them. And we don't have to get to the deep stuff all the time, right. which is where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that can be something that's a good question to ask ourselves. Yeah. Just not wanting to have an agenda when we're inviting people in. Okay. And your book is about the different personalities. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious, why do you think it's significant that we know how we host best? I love that. So, you know, I think some of this comes from my own personal experience. I am more introverted. I do enjoy people, but I have felt as a woman at times, bringing people in your home can be intimidating or it can feel like, it's maybe a lot of work or there's, I I think there's also a a vulnerability when you bring people into your home, there's a vulnerability. And so when I peeled back the layers and really dug into this topic and studied it deeper, it, it really helped me to understand that we're all hard. We we know we're all hardwired differently, but I think sometimes we think, or we kind of get messaging that we should all just be, you know, this should be an area that we're naturally gifted in because we love people and we want, and we love God, but it's not so simple. You know, it, it, there's a lot of layers to it. There's so many factors, like what, how you were raised, how hospitality was displayed to you. Was it something that seemed like a stress or was it a blessing? Yeah. Um, you know, there's really traditional ways of hosting and then there's real casual ways. And so my goal in sharing the four different personalities is to help people to identify, we all have strengths. We all have things that don't come as naturally and knowing those two differences allows you to kind of settle in and be a better host. Because I think that when we welcome people in, like you were talking about having someone over um, our, our agenda, if we have one 
I think it should be to make them feel comfortable. And the only way we're going to do that is if we are comfortable ourselves, you know, and that doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of nerves or anticipation, but if we've put too much pressure on ourselves to be something that's not maybe how we're wired or we're we're pushing through what's not natural for us, that comes across. And so it's to, it's to really give you a foundation for more success as a loving, um, comfortable host. Yeah, for sure. I love that you said that it's really about making people feel comfortable because I, I think that's a really huge component of it as how, how at home do people feel within our own home? I don't know. I think that there's really something to that, making them feel like they're almost part of family Yeah, in a way. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I would love if you could touch on the four different personalities that you talk about in the book. Yeah, for sure. So there's four and there's the leader, which is sort of your take charge type of person. Hospitality probably comes a little naturally as far as they're just a self-starter. They, they're they a big picture person. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the entertainer, which I feel like that sort of just implies exactly what they do. They are more the life of the party. They're the ones that maybe aren't as detail oriented, but they are all about like, you know, they, they're a conversation starter. They're a storyteller. They're fun. Um, the includer mm-hmm. is someone who is very people focused and very welcoming and very much doesn't want someone to be left out is sort of a, you know, it's just wants to embody people and bring them in. And then the fourth is the organizer. And that's the person that is um, much more into the details as opposed to the entertainer, the person that's like, you know, has a checklist is very much thinking of the details And in some ways that can almost hold them back from hosting because they are Mm. so hyper-focused on making sure not that everything's perfect, but they're just sort of their go-to is like, but what's it going to take to pull it off? So they're, you know, if you think about visionaries versus doers, right? Yeah. The organizers, the doer. And so the entertainers over here with all the ideas and the doers like, but how are we going to actually do that? You know? So, so this touches on, we all can gravitate towards one as a primary, probably have a secondary but what can be helpful is knowing yourself and then bringing someone alongside you to soften out the things that don't come as naturally. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Which one are you? So I am a primary organizer. That is my first thought is just the, yeah. like, what, what's it going to take? And it's so funny. Cause even in my work roles, that's kind of, you know, if I'm sitting at a table with a lot of like visionaries, I'm like, yeah. you know, just because like my first thought is like, but that's so many things, you know? And, yeah. and so it's good that I know that about myself and I have to stay softened and not get too hung up on it. I do have a secondary includer side. I am very, I have a very laid back side of my personality, which helps Yeah, for sure. But generally everyone's going to probably have one that they would say is their primary and then a secondary, like we're not all or nothing. It doesn't mean that yeah. I can't ever tell a story, but I am not going to be the one doing that ongoing at the dinner table either. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel like I like try to be the entertainer, but I kind of make it more awkward when I do that. So, <laughs> right. Cause entertainers are generally not awkward. I mean, you know what I mean? They just, yeah. they're like, where's the microphone? Yeah. <laughs> Let me totally. grab it. Totally. Totally. I think when I took the test, I was an includer. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Which I guess really made a lot of sense for me. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm more attentive to like where people are at making sure they feel connected and at home right. and part of it. Yeah, you have a, a pulse on people. That's yeah. Totally includers. Yeah. Yeah. And see where me as an organizer, I have a pulse on people, but not to the same degree. And that can be my downside is that I'm, mm. I might miss that like deeper connection because I am like, oh, I got to get more ice, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah. It's funny that you say that. Cause I, I would probably say my secondary would be more of an organizer as well. 
Mm-hmm. As I've been told, like, well, you can just sit down. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't have yeah. to be like running after everything. Exactly. All right. So I want to get really, really practical because I think people are thinking about Christmas and how they're going to be hosting people. And for a lot of people, I think that um, hosting and hospitality can be really overwhelming. And I love how you said that it's about making people feel comfortable and connected and just being kind. And that's a really great start. But I think when it comes to the more practical side of things, people get overwhelmed. And so where would you tell people, and that kind of be that organizer brain, where would you tell people to really start planning a gathering? So, you know, I think the thing is, I'm going to kind of touch on a couple of things. I think the first is to, especially with like holidays or traditions, is to really go back to the why, you know, why mm-hmm. are we going to host X or why are we going to do this? And not that you shouldn't do things, yeah. but I think sometimes we can fall into like, well, we've always done this. So we have to keep doing it. And so just making sure that the why is still the solid, like reason that it should be, and that you're not just doing something out of obligation or something like that. Totally. And then a second motto that I am really just like, I just am always saying is to keep things simple. Mm. And this will also depend on what your life season is. And so, you know, when I say keep it simple, that will depend on what life season you're in and, you know, what your time commitments are, what your household looks like, but keeping it simple looks like keeping it practical and doable. And so if you're going to host something um, that you look at, like, how do I make this manageable? Mm -hmm. And I think, and on the planning side, it's looking at all the details that go into it to some degree and then building in margin around that. And there's simple tips like, you know, um, maybe you make half the food and you purchase half the food or you do a potluck style or you have everyone bring their own fill in the blank. So it's just keeping it simple because I think if we, if we miss that mark, what happens a lot is then we don't actually have the event because it just doesn't feel like it just feels like it's too much. You know, I had my sister share in the book that they were doing these, these impromptu like football get togethers on Sundays where it just became, you know, just easy and casual. And I think people like that as much, if not more, because what's happening is you're connecting and you're getting together as opposed to like, oh, we need to get together. Right. Right. So you just build in some things that whether it's around an activity, but you know, all hands on deck and just thinking of, um, from the planning piece, what can you realistically plan for and do and do with joy? Because if you're doing it and it just feels like it's so much, um, we just keep missing the important, the why of like, it's supposed to be to love and connect and, build community and not just feel like we're stressed and it doesn't bring us the blessing that we're hoping for. Totally. Totally. I think what I'm hearing you say too, is that the purpose of the event is really important. And I think probably, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like purpose and people knowing the people that are coming and what and how to serve them best. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, and I touch on this in the book is that there's different styles of hosting and or different kinds of hosting. What I mean is there's going to be hosting where maybe you're bringing in some of your children's teammates, right? Right. You're just serving, you're just feeding the kids, you're giving them a warm space to come in and connect, right? Then there's times where you have your best, your best couple friend over and you're just like, you know, with your people, it's casual, it's Friday night. That's going to be more of a fill when you're giving, it won't be as much of a fill, you know? And so it's also kind of balancing those different types of hosting, because I think sometimes we can get into, or maybe a lot of our hosting is more in the serving and the giving yeah. and that's great, but we have, you know, we have to balance, we have to like make sure we're filling ourselves up too. Otherwise it won't um, be as loving probably as an experience because you're kind of tapped out or you're just checking a box. 
Oh, I love that. That's such a good tip. Okay. So next question I have is just how do we practically create points of connection when we're gathering? So for example, sometimes we have a party or something like that. And there's people that don't really know each other. Mm-hmm. So how do we kind of make sure that people are connecting when they're within our homes or that we're making sure there's like lots of like loving touch points or I don't know if that makes any sense, yeah. but no, I actually love that. Uh, well, I loved how you said create points of connection. I just like the way that that sounds because that again, goes back to what I really think should be the, the focus of what we're trying to build. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I would say is that it will depend on the nature of the group. And like you said, if you're bringing in different people that don't know each other, I think there's a piece where you want to still keep it casual and not like, okay, we're going to not get to know each other, you yeah. know, but you don't want to be so freestyle that people don't really connect either. So I think it's sort of knowing the group, knowing where you can go with the group. You know, there's simple things you can do, such as having a question on everyone's plate at the table that they answer, mm. you know, and I think you want to be sensitive or careful about what kind of topics you're bringing up based on what the group dynamics are. You know, you need to know yeah. the people as far as what topics and, you know, you want to be um, sensitive to that, but I think simple ways to get everybody talking in in a comfortable way. Cause you want to acknowledge that there's going to be introverts and extroverts. And then I also think one-on-one is really important because generally in a group setting there, there becomes some one-on-one opportunity. And when you're one-on-one with someone, it's so, I, I say in the book, it's better to be interested than interesting. And that just means like mm. asking questions, like tell me more about your job, you know, uh, yeah. what brought you to this city or, you know, asking open-ended questions, because again, it goes back to what I said, people want to be known. And I think that we're all guilty of talking about ourselves (laughs) and we want to make sure there's some of that, you know, you're, you're throwing and catching the ball and you're going back and forth. And if you're the host, then you're sort of given that opportunity because you've maybe initiated the whole gathering. And so um, I think one-on-one things around the table, you know, if it's appropriate, I think games, you know, mm-hmm. um, just things that are going to be really good at pulling the group together in a way that doesn't make anyone feel like, well, you know, I've never, you know, again, I just think there's a sensitivity piece of just making sure that you've thought through, will this game or this activity be the best for this group? Totally. Um, and a lot of times those things can add a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We've tried a lot of things that have not worked. So I think those are all really <laughs> great suggestions. I will say the one thing that has worked that's been kind of fun. And I'm going to talk about myself for just a second, <laughs> just exactly what we were saying not to do. But we have um, done a cake decorating contest every year for our Christmas party. And it's kind of become a tradition that people look forward to. And it's funny because we have lots of different people that come. There's like the the regular people that come. There's also a few people that have never been there before. And so we've hyped up this cake decorating. But it, it can be kind of quiet and awkward, maybe for like the first little bit of the night. But once you get to the cake, it's like everybody's best friends. It's Aww. so funny how, because we go into teams and then we do presentations and it's a whole yeah. thing. But it's just funny how that kind of breaks the ice a little bit. Yeah. So I feel like that's been like the one thing that's kind of worked for us. But mm-hmm. I love all of those other suggestions because I feel as someone who wants to include people and who wants people to feel welcome, right. you know. Yeah. I think any kind of shared activity, like I was thinking of um, like right now, pumpkin carving contest, like there's all these simple things you can do. I think if you can give people something to do when they arrive, whether it's, Hey, can you put, put together the salad or you do a potluck style and everyone brings their famous chili recipe, Oh yeah. anything where there kind of becomes some personalization that then you can kind of draw from, or you give people activities. I think all of those things really do help. Like you said, break the ice. Totally. Yeah. When they feel like they're contributing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. 
Okay. Now, maybe I'm just asking all these questions for myself because I just want to know how to be a better host, but (laughs) how do we really set good expectations and communicate well with guests so that they're not caught off guard once they're at the gathering? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it'll depend on who you're having over as far as how well you know them and how connected you are to begin with. But I think if there's boundaries or different things that need to be addressed, I think communication is always the best thing you can do on the front end, as opposed to, oh, we should have talked about that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so I think as the host, you, you do get to set the tone. You're, you're the one bringing people into your home. And so I think whatever the, whether it's shoes off or, you know, whatever it is you're right. asking for, that you just communicate as clearly as possible. And then I think there's some place for grace because we don't, you know, for whatever reason, people may not have heard the message or it hadn't resonated with them. And I do think it's important. I mean, we've learned in hosting that there's times that you need to put some different boundaries in, you know, Mm -hmm. with, with people. And that's okay too. I think that we need to remember that it is our home and our space. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you you can only communicate so well at the end of the day, someone has to receive it and also uh, respect it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. And especially that room for grace, like that's so important. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any favorite practices, activities, or tips uh, for hosting a really well-rounded gathering? If you could give us a few of your top hacks, that would be awesome. A few of my tips. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of goes back to my keep it simple. I think that, and, and this is kind of, I feel like most people know, but we can still forget is to, on the food side, if you're serving food to keep it simple in the sense I mean, unless you're like in a gourmet dinner club or something, (laughs) you know, think through what will make the food part enjoyable for you on the preparation side, you know, and building it into your, that day that you're serving Um, and delegating where you can potluck style works because it's easy, you know, just Mm -hmm. factoring those things in. So I would say on the food side, I keep things simple. I have my tried tried and true recipes. Um, I don't, you know, I don't use my hosting as my time to get all creative in the kitchen. So that just brings my stress down. Yeah. And then I think as I touched on earlier, my kind of tried and true things are to balance out what kinds of, what kinds of hosting I'm doing, because Mm -hmm. some hosting is more of a give and some of us more of a take. And, you know, it's just kind of knowing what you have the capacity for. And again, like I, you know, if you're in a life season where you've got a lot of challenges and struggles, like that may not be the best season to be doing a lot of hosting, you know? And so really honoring, um, your life season. Um, I know when my kids were younger or really, were little, it was harder to host because, mm-hmm. you know, they went to bed at seven and all yeah. the, all the different things. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just keep coming back to keep it simple. And that doesn't mean, I don't want anyone to hear that if they're into gourmet dinner parties and they love to set the table, totally. That is awesome. However, I just want to always encourage people to also consider how welcoming everything they're doing is in this sense, like, does someone feel maybe a little intimidated to reciprocate the invite. You know what I mean? If you pull off this like amazing dinner party, you know, I mean, I, and there's nothing wrong with that, but just kind of thinking through, um, am I making people feel comfortable and also building our relationship, you know, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, is this just more of, I don't want to say it's for me, but you know what I mean? Just being, being aware of that, I think is important. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you do anything special for Christmas? Like, do you have any kind of practices or activities that you really like for Christmas? I'm hosting, you know, no, (laughs) there's my short answer. (laughs) And I'll say why, you know, we have moved a lot. And so what's interesting. And when I say move a lot, 
you know, really every four years we were in one place for eight years, but I mean, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. and so we, we have some traditions, but I wouldn't say it's like, we've been in the same community for 20 years and I always have a cookie party. So it's not that I couldn't, it's just, I think that's been a factor, but what actually has been cool about moving around is that we've had a lot of um, what we call Friendsgiving, where Mm -hmm. we have all our friends over for Thanksgiving and different things. So you know, I was thinking back when we were overseas, we had a family over for like a Christmas brunch, you know, we told them all to wear their pajamas. And so, That's fun. you know, I would say we don't do something traditionally the same, but we definitely are always looking for ways to celebrate the holidays or be with people regardless of where we're at. So, yeah, I love that. All right. Is there anything else practical that we should consider as we plan to host for our Christmas gatherings? So one thing I think of, cause I feel like I talk to a lot of moms is that when it comes to hosting and I even want to go like into the bigger umbrella of like all the holiday traditions is to, and I'm going to tell this to, especially moms with young kids, like really think through what you have the time and energy for. Cause a lot of things you set up as traditions or events kind of can become maybe a burden or yeah. too much. And so it's really just kind of looking at it as objectively as possible, you know, and creating the traditions that work. And then with the holiday season, I mean, this is a different holiday year. And so you know, maybe I'm kind of even speaking on the same thing here is just, we may have to let go of some traditions this year, whether it's just because we can't gather at the same capacity. You know, I'm very much a realist. So I have a harder time going to the idealism. My husband is that way. So I do, and I, I see it. Mm-hmm. And just remembering that while it's, you know, ideals are great. We want to also remember again, goes back to the why, like your kids are going to remember the attitude and the, like, you know, the impromptu thing you came up with instead or whatever. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. rolling with things, I think 2020 has taught us like pivoting is, (laughs) is just part of what we have to do. So this may be a holiday season where you have to be a little more realistic, um, maybe make some pivots, but that's okay. And you could actually, I heard someone say, sometimes the biggest hiccups in life actually create the best memories. Mm. And so that plays on that. Like, okay, you can't do your annual Christmas caroling or whatever it is that, you know, maybe you're used to doing. That's okay. There's probably something else you can do and still create a memory. Totally. I think that's a really good word. Even myself, I am really sad that we cannot have our big Christmas party. This would have been our 10th annual. We had this like huge party that in our minds that we were planning. So we're really disappointed, but that's hard. Yeah, it was, it was too bad, but yeah, we're wondering, okay, how can we kind of adapt and maybe still connect in some way, even if it's online? I don't, I don't know. We're, we're still going through lots of ideas. I was going to say, could you do like a zoom party? I know it's like not ideal, but yeah, that might be kind of fun because everyone could be in their kitchens and <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, yeah. We were definitely thinking about something yeah. like that, making like a, a kit or something that we could send totally. people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that's been neat about this year is that even though hospitality has a lot of limitations right now, especially just the numbers and that we can't mm-hmm. gather to the same degree. However, seeing how people are creatively connecting. Yeah. And dropping off stuff. Like you said, I mean, if you dropped off something on their doorstep, I mean, there's just so many things we can do to still show love and connection. I mean, it's almost kind of like there's a challenge in it. So have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What's one way that you've had to adapt this year, Morgan? Is there something that you've changed with COVID with hosting? You know, it's a, that's a good question. Um, Well, what I would say is that 
you know, I, I live away from my family. And so typically we would probably yeah. would be traveling and seeing them more. And so kind of one of the beauties that's come out of COVID is that I'm doing a lot more of, um, FaceTime or Marco Polo with my sisters. Yeah. And so it's been interesting because maybe we could normally just think, oh, we're going to get together in a month or whatever, right? or they could come visit or what, what have you. It's been interesting to see how you can still really connect day to day by using technology, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. almost like it's kind of forced us that way. So that's one thing that comes to mind. And, um, you know, really in our home, we've just had to be more kind of careful, obviously with the things, but we've done some things in our neighborhood, whether it's just being like more of like a block party or just being outside. So just kind of being creative and thinking outside the box where we can. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, we've definitely had to get creative as well. Um, Something that we did this summer, we bought a projector and we hosted outdoor movie nights, which was really fun. Just getting people together somehow. Cause I mean, we, I miss the theater a lot. (laughs) I know. So um, just that shared experience. And so, yeah, that was being outside obviously made that a little bit more safe and it was really fun. So that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for all of this. I feel like this has been super practical and I think people are really going to be able to take something and, you know, just create a more connected and more comfortable and more loving host gathering. So thank you so much. As we wrap up, there's a few questions that we want to ask people. And the first one is just, what are some resources that you have learned from or that you have found helpful as you've been learning about hospitality? So one thing that came to mind on this is obviously, I mean, I wrote about the four personality types, but I have found that the more I really understand my personality and I'll refer to the Enneagram, if people have heard of that, Mm -hmm. I feel like I just keep learning more about myself Yeah, and that self-awareness is so helpful because it, it helps me to understand why things drain me, you know, why certain Mm -hmm. things I find more exhausting, why certain things energize me, you know, it's just knowing myself better. I feel like it helps me in hospitality. It helps me as a mom. It helps me in all these ways. And so I would just really encourage people that, you know, I think the more we can reflect on how we respond to things in life, you know, 2020 has thrown us a lot of surprises and there's healthy things we do and non-healthy things and just really identifying Mm -hmm. the things that we can work on as individuals. I would just say that's been something that's kind of really been just a real growth for me. I mean, I think I've always kind of known myself, but I feel like I just keep getting more like, aha, like, yeah. Oh, that's why, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's helpful because, you know, I'm married and I married to someone who has a different personality. And so it yeah. helps us to like play to our strengths together and press into each other. And so I would just say that any kind of resource on learning yourself and, and really even peeling back your, your childhood and your foundation and kind of all the different things that have played into who you are today will help in hospitality and beyond hospitality too. Absolutely. It's so, so helpful. I think knowing my number as well has been really helpful for myself in many, many ways. And even in the way that I relate to people and what I'm like in a group of people and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So the second question that we ask is what is a spiritual discipline or practice that you have found really life-giving? So I would say that, I mean, I've always enjoyed walks. I have a dog and, um, but I feel like with COVID and just having less of the same fitness outlets, um, walks have just meant that much more. And I've really just enjoyed, we kind of did some new things on our deck this year and got like an umbrella. It's funny how when your home more, you're like, Hmm, we need to to make this space better. Right. (laughs) Totally. And so I had a lot of just neat quiet times on our deck this summer. 
mm-hmm. um, with an umbrella up and just the sun and just having your coffee. And so I just feel like there's something about being in nature. That's just really life-giving and just brings you back to the Lord and like, that he's our creator. And so, yeah, yeah, outside I've always enjoyed the outdoors, but I feel like this year it's felt even more important, I suppose, because mm-hmm. it's sort of been an outlet to get out of the house, right. Totally. When there totally. wasn't as many opportunities. So, yeah. yeah, I think this is the most I've ever been in nature. I would never say that I'm a nature person at all. I'm really a homebody, mm-hmm. but I think this year, I don't know, maybe I'm starting to go more that way. Cause I've really, I have really enjoyed being outside and being able to, you know, sit with people outside or go for the walks or whatever. And we've had really great weather here this fall too, which has been so, so nice. I'm really appreciating that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, just any other resources you want us to know about or anything that, you know, you've been working on that we could let people know about. Well, I would just encourage people to kind of think of hospitality outside the box. This is a really unique time where we can really serve and love people well. Mm-hmm. A lot of practical ways are just, you know, if you're running to the store, can you grab something for your neighbor? Yeah. Um, there's still people moving around, you know, city to city. I think welcoming someone when they're new to a community is so life-giving. And just being thoughtful, I, I, I talked in the book about, you know, just like I had a neighbor who in one of our neighborhoods would just drive by and she would just so enthusiastically wave at me and smile. And I was like, like, it just made my day. (laughs) All she was doing was just being very warm. And so just looking for those opportunities to show people that, you notice them, you know, we're in a culture where I think we're distracted more than ever in a lot of ways. And so I say, give your presence. It's really one of the best presents you can give. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Morgan, for being on here. And this has just been a delightful interview and I am going to be ordering your book for sure. So thank you so, so much. What I was going to say, if people want to take the quiz, there is a link on my website. They can take it for free. So if they're just like, I just want to know what I am, there's a quick way to do that. So yeah, perfect. Okay. We'll make sure that we link that. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was such a fun interview for me. I hope you are writing some notes, being inspired, and maybe are thinking about which one of the hospitalities you might be too. Take the quiz through the show notes to find out which one you are, and I would love to hear about it in the Facebook group, Intentional Women of Faith. If you aren't up for hosting yet, know you are under absolutely no pressure to gather in your home this year. But if you are hosting outdoors, online, or just another year, I hope you jotted down some fresh new ideas. The Lab by 68 challenge this week is to go over and take the quiz through Morgan's website. Write down two or three ways that you can serve through your unique hospitality personality and giftings. And remember, you can share about the challenge on social media through the hashtag, hashtag Lab by 68 challenge, or just let us know how it went on Fridays. We do a check-in in the Intentional Women of Faith Facebook group. We'd love to see you in there. Remember to grab the Christmas guide through the show notes so that I can help you get laser focused on what really matters to you this Christmas. And maybe give you some fresh, intentional, and fun ideas to try this year. Next episode, we have Glendine Gerard from Defend Dignity. And it's an advocacy, awareness, and trafficking, and prostitution survivor aid organization up here in Canada. And the work that Defend Dignity is doing is absolutely incredible. And Glendine and I dig into how to advocate through policy and legislation. So whether you are Canadian or not, I do still think you're going to find this extremely valuable. If you are Canadian, you will learn a lot about legislation in Canada. And if you're not, I hope it gets you thinking about legislation where you're from because it is a little bit different depending on where you live. 
Remember, if you want to catch me on social media, let me know what you thought of the show or just to say, hey, you can find me at at leah.rempel on Instagram or in our Facebook group. Again, Intentional Women of Faith. I am so happy to be serving you and to continue serving you on those platforms as well. Have a wonderful week, everyone. And remember that you are a kingdom builder and your light is meant to be reflected in dark places. Together, we are praying, here I am, Lord, send me. Have a great week, everyone.